Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. If we were to answer a question tonight, just for purposes of um, being at the right time in our progression to reach out to others, when things are dark, depraved, twisted, sad, when things are upside down and out of order, what's missing? Jesus. The grace of God. Okay? Uh, Jesus Christ is, the Bible says that he sent him full of grace. Um, so I, I just say that so that we're on the same footing. And, and we can go to the throne of grace, we learned on Sunday, and get grace for those things that are out of order, twisted, depraved, when you're upset, when your heart is, is turned, when the circumstances and the people are not uh, moving in the appropriate manner, uh, is a disgrace. There's no grace. So we, we want to understand this a little bit more. Um, it's, it's, a, it's, it's the whole gifting of God. When we talk about everything that God has given man, uh, we talk about his grace. And that's why some people grab that and they run with it to twist. And they say, well, I could have a girlfriend even though I'm married. The grace of God is sufficient. Or I don't have to go to church because God's grace is, is great. And, and so they start twisting grace. Um, it's a perversion of, of, the, of the reality of what God has done. Um, we talked about Sunday how God, uh, the young ladies preparing, studying hard, you know, cramming all the information to take the test. And when she comes to, she sees it's all filled out and she gets an A. And, and the teacher says, no matter how much you would have studied, uh, when you have somebody pouring out the full measure of goodness that makes you a champion, that's called grace. And so uh, we were talking about um, Hebrews 12, uh, verse 15, I believe. It says, don't fall short of the grace of God. Because if you do, life gets super frustrating. See to it that no one falls short of God's grace, because that's when bitterness, if, if you see somebody that's super bitter uh, and defiled and, and they're not healthy, um, the grace of God is not flowing. And so the fullness of grace, um, one, of the, one of the expressions um, that, that was, let me go ahead and check this real quick. Um, the greetings that were given to people when they were walking in God's perfect design, receiving uh, all of, of God's provision, they, they would acknowledge that, um, let's read Luke one twenty eight. This is super important. Um, The angel met Mary and said to her, greetings, you who are full of grace, that highly favored. Um, I don't know if you guys can go ahead and, and get that translation. 
Um, he said, peace be to you uh, who are full of grace. The Lord is with you. So Mary being able to attain the measure of, of receiving all the goodness of God towards her life, the angel says, you know something? This was a precursor for you to bring about God's purpose in your life. And one of the saddest things that I can see in a person's life is when they're stuck and, and they do not, they do not <clears throat> walk in the fullness of their purpose. And so let's, let's see how that works tonight with, uh, with taking this, this aspect of grace. Because what God wants us to do to be able to reach other people uh, you better be full of grace because pretty soon bitterness begins to ooze out and frustration. Uh, today we were talking with a woman. Uh, you guys heard that, that, um, that Frances was, uh, I believe is at the gym, and she starts talking to this woman. She says, I want what you have, and I'm coming for it. So this morning she went to the women's Bible study at my house with my wife and the, the women that show up there, and so her name is Carmen, and she's there, and, and, and she received the Lord today. She asked Christ to come into her heart, and you can tell the transformation, and, and she's dealing with a difficult situation, with the, the troubles that we face with our marriage, with our wives, with our husbands, all that difficult scenario, and, and if she continues to come to these meetings and get filled with the grace of God, her husband is going to want that. It's going to be a different facial expression. She's going to have a smile and not, uh, you know, a hard, you know, countenance suffering. Um, one of the things that she told me, and it's, it's, this is what all of us have said at one time or another, if they're not going to change, I'd rather not be with them. That's, real, that's reality. If, if, this, if this is what it's going to be like, I'm not going to be a part of it. So now... Don't divorce yourself from the grace of God because the grace of God is sufficient. The grace of God comes and it, and it, it transforms all things. So let's, let's ask God to speak to us tonight. Uh, we leave tomorrow morning early for a two-day trip up to North Carolina. Uh, we were invited by the, inter, uh, by the International Pentecostal Holiness Church to their leaders meeting in North Carolina. Uh, it's going to be Friday, uh, Thursday and Friday. Um, Thursday night, Friday, all day, and then we'll be back on Saturday to be here on Sunday. Um, and we will meet with all the leaders that come from the whole nation, and the, all the bishops, which are the leaders that oversee the churches, they're all going to come to that meeting, and they're going to hear the presentation on what is a man, uh, so that they can uh, carry that resource to all their churches. And so we thank the Lord for that opportunity. Please pray for us uh, that his grace would abound that his goodness would be present and, uh, and that we just walk in the goodness of God. That's what we're doing. And, and, and so that's powerful. Father, thank you today for the opportunity to come to and be again in your presence. <clears throat> it was your desire to walk with man every day. In the cool of the day, you would come and you searched out man. But something happened where sin, rebellion, disobedience came in. And now we come to see you twice a week, Lord, and we think that's big. Uh, we, we come and, and be together in your presence with your word and with your people. But it's your desire that we would abide forever in perfect communion 
uh, of fellowship with you, that we would contemplate your words and, and contemplate your beauty and have an ongoing relationship. Tonight we ask that you pray, that, that you show us, Lord. We pray that you show us the manner in which we're to relate with you, uh, that we could acknowledge how is it that you want to use us to touch the world. And as you continue to pour forth grace over Spring of Life and its leaders and ministers and the maturity of all who come, we pray, Lord, that we would grow and grow and grow mightier and stronger in your grace. Your grace is sufficient for us to see all things, for us to see the dreams and the things you've prepared for our family, for our children, for our economy. Uh, a lot of us have no grace in our economy. We don't even know what that is. We haven't seen abundance, which is the measure of your grace. So allow us to humble ourselves Allow us to align up ourselves. Allow us to receive your grace so that we not have bitterness, that we not have resentment, that we not have a lack of seeing our inheritance in the Lord. We pray, Father God, that you open the eyes of our understanding and our hearts welcome your word and that it prosper, that it guides our path as a light and it be our priority. Remove any disdain or apathy towards you and towards your uh, your priority. We pray, Father God, that your seed would be planted in well, good fertile soil tonight and give forth the fruits of those that shall be filled with the grace to be able to go and touch the lives of others, Lord, that they might see this that you've poured out on all men. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. <clears throat> For many years... And, and even uh, in our lifetime, grace has become an abstract, undefinable, far-fetched reality. It's like, where do I go get grace and, and how, how do I uh, receive? Um, there's incredible instances in the New Testament where grace becomes super tangible. And they even sent out some people. You go to that neighborhood and you see what those people are doing and... And they were able to witness, that means they were eye, the eye, it was evident to the eye that the grace of God was present. And uh, those who see and know the grace uh, will not apologize and will not mistake for its presence. Uh, if you know me, you know my life is God's grace. If, if, you, if you've been close to me, if you've seen what God has done. Um, people have defined it, it, only God, only God could be uh, bringing about these purposes and what he's planned. Um, so in the 1955, uh, they, they did the coronation of the Queen Elizabeth in, in Britain and part of the words that followed the ceremony, um, Listen to these words and, and tell me that these people didn't understand that, that God was putting that woman over that nation as a gift of God. And they said like this, they said, you have uh, at this time consecrated thy servant Elizabeth, Queen Elizabeth, to be our queen by the anointing of your grace so that she might defend our faith, and be the protector of your church and the people. You chose her 
because this is, this is your hand in our country that you would grab a woman like that and, and put her in a place where she plays that role. Um, they were able to witness the hand of God as, as his grace. Um, and so we also have another example in the life of George Washington. And George Washington was a colonel under the British Army. And remember, that was before the American Revolution. Um, him being a leader of the British Army, the British were coming and they were colonizing America. And he was under the general, uh, I have it written here, the general was General Braddock. And they went out to fight the French and the Indian in 1755. And when they went out to fight the Indian, the, the French and the Indian, in the French and Indian War, uh, bullets were flying, all manner of things were taking place, and General Braddock, the British general, died, and Washington remained leading the soldiers. So that his boss died in the, in the, in the, in the war, and George Washington now is the leader. And when he got back from that battle, he was able to say these words, uh, which were crazy in, in, in his understanding of what God had done. And look what he says. Um, Colonel Washington testified that two horses had been killed from beneath him. Being on top of two horses, the horses died. And he counted the bullets that went through his coat when he finally arrived back in Virginia. And Washington, in spite of the bullet holes found in his coat, was unhurt. He believed that he had been spared by God's grace and wrote the following uh, letter, he, this words to his brother. He says, I now exist and appear I'm still here in the land of the living by the miraculous care and grace that protected me beyond all human expectation. I should have died. And it was God's grace that kept me alive. I was shot at four times. The horse was shot at underneath him. And he, he went back. Uh, and obviously he became the first president of the United States. So let us... Um, let us grasp this, this element of God's outpouring in the words of Paul to the Ephesians in chapter 2, verse 7. That God wants his grace to be evident and tangible in our lives in the full expression. That in the ages to come, that means our, our years that we're living, he might show what is the amazing riches of his grace. What, in other words, his kindness that he's poured out to us in Christ Jesus. So one of the things I told Carmen this morning, I said, listen, uh, we got back and the, the Bible study was over and there was a couple, uh, Francis was there with Carmen and Suleika, and I said, listen, all you got to do is invite the grace of God into your family. And then sit down and watch God. Be, be a witness to the amazing grace and goodness of our God. I told her in 1984, um, our family invited Jesus Christ to come in 
at full measure with his grace. And, and one of the most miraculous things, and we were reading that today, uh, this week in the men's group in, in Job chapter 9, he said like this, he says, there is nobody who has ever challenged God has able to be victorious against his grace. Um, let's read that because it's super important. Verse 4, Job chapter 9, verse 4. In God's grace, we see his wisdom. God is wise in heart, and he's mighty in strength. Who has ever tried to fight against him and prospered? Who's gonna, who is going who is gonna to stand against God's grace? It's not going to happen. There is no, it still hasn't happened. It's, it's a mighty outpouring. And so that's what he's saying there, that in the ages to come, let's go back to Ephesians 2, 7, in the coming ages, he might, say with me, show. Show means that it might be seen. In the ages to come, he might show. What's he going to show? The exceeding riches of his grace. So we are supposed to be blown away at large levels when God shows up. It's, it's just a, an amazing uh, time, we called it the dispensation of grace, uh, a time where God is just going to do mighty works um, because of his goodness um, that he has toward us in Christ Jesus through what he did with his son on the cross. So what's this say in Romans 5.15? Um, it's, a, it's a gift, <clears throat> and it's not something that is earned, but the free gift is not like the offense. Uh, here it makes the contrast between how um, sin came in. For if by one man's sin many died, much more if, if what the devil brought in through man caused so much damage. We all agree that what, you know, a lot of us want to get back at Adam and say, man, you, you just let this whole thing go south. He says, if by this man's sin many were affected much more the grace of God. The, the effects of God's grace, which is a gift, the grace that came through that one man, Jesus Christ, now there's going to be huge uh, recurring, just like sin brought destruction, grace brings much more deliverance. Uh, we're, we're blown away because when Jesus came into our family in 1984, you would think, okay, he came into the Molina family, six people. Guess what? No. By his grace coming to our life, it burst out to thousands upon thousands of people. That's how powerful it is. It wasn't in, in, in his plan of grace towards my life, towards my parents' life, to our family. It just turned around and just exploit. We're touching nations. We're just, just, just try and, and fathom. Um, and so it says in this particular verse, he's saying, if sin came in through one man and it affected everybody, get ready for the power of grace because it's going to be exponential through the roof, unimaginable what's going to happen if we let this thing flow. Um, so super important. Let's go to verse 16. It's abounding to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one man who sinned. For the judgment which came from one offense 
resulted in everybody being condemned. But the free gift, which came from many offenses, resulted in God putting everybody right. That means what he did in the cross now sweeps the nations um, at levels that, that we'll never even be able to contemplate. I mean, you'd have to be a real mathematician to know the extent of the exponential impact upon the globe because of grace, because of the outpouring of God. So the very uh, substance of grace is this. It's God's nature being poured out and overflowing in acts of mercy, compassion, and and generosity. Um, People are gonna freak out. I I I told this woman, I said, listen, even though your husband is not where you want him to be, you give him that smile that embrace, and you're going to drive them crazy because the grace of God in you, you being satisfied, being an excellent woman, an excellent wife, an excellent mom, your, 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 your sons and your husband are going to want to run to this thing. They want, we want what you have. Where'd you get it and how did it come? And, and so that's what he's explaining here. The, uh, remember this, whenever you see the character of God his nature being poured out in overflow. One of the, the, the biggest stories we've ever heard is a man um, named Jimmy Hughes. And Jimmy Hughes is a hitman for the mob. And he has a contract to go kill a guy. And when he gets there, there's like four guys there and he kills them all. He, executioner style. He just shoots them in the back of the head. And he hears the words... I still love you. He's like, you know something, this this doesn't make sense. I deserve death, I deserve hell, I deserve you not to love me, I deserve for you. And, And his grandmother was praying for him. So he falls on his knees and and he gives his life to the Lord. Right after that scenario. And so now he runs an orphanage in Honduras, and for the last 20 years. He, he's a trophy of God's grace. Him, his wife, his children, we know them personally, they've been here. And, and so you said, a hitman from the mob, an executioner, had to bow down his knees before the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That I still love you even though you're a jerk. Even though you're a sinister, hitman, mobster. And so we can't fathom the love of God he has towards others. And one of the things that if we don't understand it, we're not going to be able to dispense it. So we, we, we run into a jerk across the street. He's like, man, you go to hell because he cut you off on a car. And God is saying, I love that guy who cut you off in the car. In fact, I love him even if he were to do the most crazy thing. My son on the cross is the gift, the grace of God to all men. Not by works so that nobody boasts. So, so we need to get this right in our head and in our heart so that we could understand what is this outpouring of God's nature, the acts of his mercy, the, the liberality of his giving. Um, when Paul is writing to the Corinthians, he says, I want you guys to see the grace of God in action. So this is awesome. So it's not a theological concept. It's not far and, and twisted. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1, he writes to the Corinthians and he says, Now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know 
We want you to know about the grace of God. Listen to this. If, you, if you're writing a letter and you're writing to a relative and to a friend and you're, 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 you're writing stuff down there, uh, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God that he poured out on the churches of Macedonia. Uh, I, I, sometimes things are so far and complex I don't understand it, so I have to, I have to recreate an, uh, just a scenario before me. I was telling a, a brother yesterday, um, just so I could understand how big God is and how little we are and how good God is and how we don't understand his goodness, um, about five years ago, I, I grabbed a mound of sand. You go over, and I want you guys to try this. You, you go like that and grab a whole bunch, as much as you can, a mound of sand, and then go over to a little ant and just begin to pour it on him little by little until you bury him, until there's a, like he's overwhelmed. That's what God can do for us in his grace. And we're so overwhelmed as, where is God going to show up? And how is he going to show up? I don't think he's going to show up. And we're so puny. And God is so great and gracious. And, and so he's saying, I want you, uh, we, we make known to you the grace of God that was poured out on these churches in Macedonia. So imagine a whole region, the churches in Miami. It's a whole bunch of churches in Miami. And we want to talk to you about the grace of God that was being poured out from heaven. So verse two, he says, check out these two things. Number one, in a great trial of, affic of affliction, that in a great trial of affic affliction, um, imagine a city under like huge trouble and suffering. A whole city in a great place where there was suffering and hardship, there was abundance of joy. What is that called? The grace of God. In the midst of everything twisted and torn upside down, they had abundance of joy. What, what are you supposed to have in great trial and affliction? Say with me, an incredible immensity of sadness, of, of, of despair, no hope. But these guys, in the midst of the most difficult situation, they're experiencing abundance of joy. In the deep poverty that abounded, these guys are giving away all that they have with the liberality, generosity that is unknown for poor people. Because poor people usually are on the take. They're not on the give. But when poor people have the grace of God, they begin to move supernaturally in another mindset. They, they, they start doing things that without the grace of God, it's impossible. So whatever your negative is, whatever your situation is, turn it around and that is the result of grace. That is the presence, rather, of grace. Um, so we see they're being tested in their many troubles and they're very poor, but they're filled with joy and they're overflowing in rich generosity. So I don't know about you, but I want grace to be in my life. I want grace to turn around whatever the situation is. I want, I want the presence 
But he says, I, I want to make known to you the grace of God that was being poured out uh, over these people. That despite their calamity, the grace of God was holding them up above water. And, and that's, that's a witness. And, and we've been able to tell several people. They're like, well, you're not going to be different than anybody else. Y yes, I am. And well, how do you know? Because the grace of God is in my life. Because I'm making room for the grace of God. And the grace of God will take me where nothing else can, can show up. So here it is, uh, 1 Peter 4.10. Having, having that said, that God's grace wants to be present in areas where we're most affected negatively because of situation, circumstance, surrounding, um, we're all to move in the direction of grace so that each one... That's you who has received a gift, minister it, serve one another, managing or stewarding, being a good steward of the manifold grace of God. What's that mean? That in each person's life, there is going to be a huge strength that's not going to be them, it'll be God in them. It'll be the grace of God in them. Um, the, the giftings, the talents, the grace. Once you are saturated in God's grace, you begin to flow in a manner. That, that's what, that word, manifold grace of God. That means many expressions. Um, some people like purple. Some people like yellow. Some people like blue. Some people like orange. Some people like green. Whatever the expression is, in each one of our lives, there's going to be a, a flare of that expression. And they'll be able to say, look, look at the grace of God in Ralph Contreras. And it'll be God expressing himself through that vessel and instrument. The grace of God in jewels. The, 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 don't look for what's in Ralph's life in jewels because you, you, you'll get upset. You'll get frustrated. But if you look for the grace of God that's in jewels you'll see the nature and the character of God's outpouring. It, it, it won't be like the one that's in Ralph. It won't be like the one that's in Blas or David Purdy. But each one of us that received from God this grace, let it pour out to one another because that's what it is to be a good steward of this manifold grace. So some of you are, are the kidney in this body. And guess what? Kidneys don't have a heartbeat. So we're not going to look to you to pump blood. But we will look to you to filter. To filter the body's toxins. And so each one has, we're not going to look to you if you're not an eyeball to, 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 to look at anything or to see anything. But maybe you, your grace is to hear. And, and you have a, a great, some people don't hear. And you're like, man, this guy doesn't hear. He wasn't meant to hear. He was meant to listen to you who hears. And you were to allow him to see because you're blind as a bat. And so every grace functions. And when we come together, that's what he's talking about here. He says each one of you should be allowing the grace of God to be present. And boy, when it's present, we say, you know something, that's God. Because there's no way that that could be man. There's no intellect. There's no, there's no ability in the personal realm. So then he says in verse 11, so if anyone is a 
has the grace to speak, if anyone can speak. Look, um, if you don't have the grace to speak, people want you to shut up already. Could you just shut up because that's it. All you do is yaggy, 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 and you don't say nothing and nothing's happening. But he says, but if you have a grace, if anyone speaks, let him speak like God would give him to speak. Like if God himself were speaking, that's what it says in that verse. That means when you're hearing that person open his mouth and words come out, it's not him. It's God. It's God whose grace is, is revealing. If anyone serves, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies. And some people, I love to see some people serve God. I'm like, ah, let me get out of the way. Because these people, they just have a grace. Um, I'll tell you one, Josue, who's uh, Andrea's uh, father, he'll go back into the warehouse area there and he'll serve. He'll, 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 he'll help us out with that area. And he'll be back there a couple hours and it looks like, like he has a magic wand or something. Like everything is like picture perfect. If I, be, I could be back there six months and when you guys come back, it'll be, look worse. Because there's no grace. There's not an ability to be able to have a vision, an understanding, the patience. There's just different things in God's grace. So he says, if anyone ha has the ability to serve, let him do so with, with the ability that God supplies. And then he says that in all things, that in every expression of the grace of God, God may be seen. God might be glorified because this glory belongs to him forever and ever. He's the one that, that is brought this into reality. So one of the things that, that I was tired of in my life personally is letting the devil to use my body. Have you seen when the spirit of grace is not present, how this body distorts, it contorts, There's no grace. The other day in American Idol, one young man had lost his mother to cancer when he was like 10. And so from 10 to now he's 16, he's 18 years old and he's bitter and he doesn't understand why God took his mom and, and he's, just, uh, he's, he's boiling over with bitterness. There's no grace of God there. He hasn't, he hasn't been able to connect. And when he got before the judges to do his thing, all those, those feelings of darkness and, and bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness and all these things came out during his time. And so Jennifer Lopez goes, you know something, something about what you just did is really dark. Something, something came out of your life and, and it's, it's scary. Maybe you want to change that, she said. And, and all it is is the fact that, that there is no grace flowing through his life. And so let's watch this in Romans 6, 13. Um, this is powerful. Do not give yourself over to darkness. Do not present your members as an instrument of darkness to go do something stupid. Don't allow. This is what I told this woman this morning. Don't allow the circumstances and the bitterness in your heart to go and do something that's going to destroy your marriage and your family and what God wants to do. Rather, let the grace of God flow through you. Do not. It's almost like you have to uh, spirit of offense, take this body 
and, and go at it. And so just like somebody could give themselves over to do the works of grace, he says, don't present your bodies as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourself to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Allow this, and this is what I did. At a certain age, I was sick and tired. I said, why does the devil, why is he using my life and my thoughts and my body to do things that are wrong? Why am I giving him over? Why am I listening to him? I'd rather listen to God. And so verse 14, he says, don't present yourself for sin shall not have dominion over you. You are not under the law, but under grace. You don't have to continue to do things outside of grace. You know, where, where I don't want to be used by God. I don't want people to see God in my life. Uh, you're not under that anymore, but under grace. Verse 15. What then shall we say? Uh, shall we sin because we're not under the law, but under grace? Certainly not. That means... If, if God has poured out this agreement in grace, then let's go sin. He goes, no. Just because God says no one's doing the right thing, I'm going to do it for them in my grace, it doesn't give you the right to go and sin. Verse 16, don't, don't think of it. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves as a servant to obey, you become that one servant whom you obey, whether of sin that leads to destruction or obedience that leads to righteousness. Who are you guys going to allow to flow through your life? Is it going to be the grace of God? Or is it going to be the contorted, distorted, angry, sinful, unrighteous expression? So in Jude chapter 1 verse 4, this distinction is made because the Bible says that some men, knowing now the grace of God, they begin to twist it. Certain men have come in, nobody has noticed, who long ago God had marked out for this condemnation. They're ungodly men. And they turn the grace of God into lewdness. And they don't let the Lord be Lord of their life. They don't, they don't allow God to use their lives. Romans 3.24, here it is. that You're going to see the expression of of the game plan of God for grace to come in. Romans 3.24. Since God freely justified you by his grace, like if you've never sinned in his redemption, in his plan that was in Christ, we, we talked about that on Sunday. Uh, it's super important that you would get a copy of that uh, and understand what he did on the cross since man could not fix it. God fixed it through his grace. And in his redemption plan, verse 25, how did he do that? Whom God set forth as through the blood of his son, those who would believe in that through faith to be able to show the righteousness of God because in his patience, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. God was saying, you know something? I don't care what man has done. The grace card is gonna trump everything he has done. And his grace, I don't know if you guys used to play that game where you, everybody turns over a card. If you have the ace, you win. You know, if somebody pulls out a king and you say, no, I got an ace, I trump you, I keep everything. So when you're paying the card, 
God says, regardless of what was going on in man's life, Jimmy Hughes trying to kill people, uh, a murderer, a thief, a liar, it doesn't matter what it, when God pulled out his grace card and, and he trumped all that was going on. Verse 26, to demonstrate, to show at the present time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. What's that mean? Whoever comes to Jesus is, it has license to grace. So that's it. That's, that's the end of the story. And so since this is a reality, now this grace is what God wants to use to be able to um, impact the lives of those that are outside of grace. 1 Peter 5.5, 5, this is the method to grace when Peter, now this is not Paul anymore, Peter writes, young people, Come into this order. Submit yourselves to leaders, to the elders. Yes, all of you take an attitude of submission to one another, being clothed with humility. Why? Because God resists the proud. A, an arrogant person never oozes out anything that looks like God. It looks like Satan. Satan is the proud expression of I'm not going to submit I'm not going to obey I'm not going to listen I will lift up my throne above God's counsel I will lift it above the elders I will lift it above here I am high and mighty and guess what you're high and mighty with no grace nobody could see God in your life and the opposite is true God resists the proud but he gives grace to the humble and, and that stance is, is a, a real difficult one for all of our lives. Uh, there's been several times throughout the last 18 years in this church where God says, you want to go on to the next level? I'm like, yeah, Lord. Then go lower down the other way. If not, you're stuck there. You've done well. You've come to a place. But if you want to get to a higher place, you've got to go to a lower level. And, and that is difficult for us. But thank God, in his grace, we've taken those steps. And that's why God has entrusted us with greater grace. It's been an expression of God's goodness. People witness us, and they're able to see, just like Paul did with the Macedonians, they're like, these people are incredible. How in the world are they walking? They should be sad. They should be upset. They should be small. They should not grow anymore. No. God's taken us to more exponential expressions of his goodness um, because of his grace and because we're willing to submit ourselves and to... Um, it says, be clothed with humility. We're willing to, to take those garments on. And so God will continue to take you to a higher level. Um, that's what he said when he introduced himself, Romans 1, 5. Paul introduces himself to the Romans and he says, in my calling of grace, through him, talking about Jesus Christ, we've received grace and this to apostleship. Apostleship is a leader amongst leaders. I was talking to, to Jose Palma's little girl today, and she goes, Pastor, can I be a leader like you? I go, of course you can. Of course you could be a leader. You, you're, you're called to high leadership in the grace of God, to be an expression 
of, of, of what God has for you in this world. And so he says, I've received, through Jesus Christ, I've received grace that made me an apostle, uh, not apostle, an apostleship for obedience in this manner of faith amongst the nations for his name. I've been called to a high office because of this grace. And so I want you to acknowledge this. I want you to ask your question. What, what is there as a office in ministry according to the grace of God that you allow to flow through your life? And, and, and so he says it better like this in 1 Corinthians 15.10. He says, everything I am, I am because of the grace of God that's flowing through me. This is a guy who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. God is using him to, to inspire Scripture and put it down. He says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Because I'm allowing this thing to flow through my life, God is able to position me in this direction. And his grace, this is very important, this next verse, this next part of the verse, his grace was toward me was not in vain. I imagine God have rocket fuel substance for you to go in the direction of God's purpose and it's totally unused. There's no humility. There's no submission. There's not a desire uh, like the Bible says in the life of Esau that he wanted so bad but he fell short. He fell short of the grace of God. It says that no one of you be like Esau who fell short and wasn't able to receive. So Paul is saying that right there. He says, don't let the grace of God, his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than all. Yet I have to recognize not I, but the grace of God which was in me. I, I think the grace of God is like the wind that God blows in your direction and if you open the sail, it, it, it moves you in the direction of God. But you might say, you know something, I'm not gonna depend on God. I'll put the sail down and I'll start paddling. And you try, start doing stuff in your own strength and there's nothing more ugly. And, and Paul says this to the Galatians. He says, hey, where's the grace of God in your life? You're, you're doing this on your, on your own works and, and you can tell it's not God because look at your face. You're all bitter, you're all angry, you're all upset, you're all frustrated. You, you, you don't, you, there's no grace in this. This is all you. But let's look at this. Um, let's continue to, to see one more part of, of him saying, uh, 1 Corinthians 3.10. He says, by the grace of God given me, I was able to become according to the grace of God which was given to me, I became a wise master builder and I put down the foundation and another will build on it. Let each one take heed how he builds. He knew what his calling was. He wasn't trying to go beyond a foundation. He says, that's my job. I'm, I'm an expert builder. I'm gonna lay the foundation and then each one be careful how you go to the next level, how you build out this life of grace. Galatians 1.15, how long was this grace in Paul's life? 
He says, from my, from my mother's womb, when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and he called me through his grace. Paul! He was, he was hearing the direction of the grace of God in his life and he understood that this thing was, was already planned from his mother's womb. There's, there's a plan of God's grace from the point of our mother's womb. How sad it is people don't consult with God. Uh, we were reading Job chapter 9 on Monday, and we say that Job uses these words in verse 9. He's talking about God, and he says, This God made the Arcturus, the Orion, the Pleiades. These three words here, Describe what's happening in the heavenlies, in the solar system, in the stars. Man, because God's plan for his life was acquainted with those mathematical equations and understanding, we've lost it. We, we, we don't even talk about the heavens. That stuff doesn't even exist for us. But in God's grace, he'll begin to reveal and open up and open up, and he'll make you a world changer. He'll teach you what is a man, how to be a husband, how to be a father, how to have a family, what a son is, what a daughter is, what to open your heart to his grace. And so all these things that God is opening is what? His grace. So instead of us in our own strength, I'm going to go to Harvard, I'm going to go to Ivy League, I'm going to go to Mini League, I'm going to go to Little League, whatever the league you're going to go to, if you're not counting with God's grace, you're going to be a, a midget because his grace so much more all the inventions that have ever been given to man have been revealed. Man has, they say that man discovered. That means he pulled back a little bit and was able to see farther. Those things were already there. But we're not seeing a lot of things because we're totally shipwrecked in our journey of faith that, that God wants us to abound in his grace. So, so all that pride of my son graduated from, uh, and God is like, wants to throw up because God had so much greater outpouring of the heavens to make your son a genius and you just made him a proud, you know, arrogant Ivy League graduate. And so he's not able to open his his mind and his understanding to greater things that God has given. I, I'm, I'm, I'm convinced that, that little children, and they, they have tested this, how many languages does a little boy, can a little boy learn before the age of 10 or 15? Like five or six, because they get it super quick. But they're on the Nintendo all day, and they're doing things that disconnect their brain from the grace of God. They're not, they're not moving in the full potential. So... Here it is, Paul says these words. When it pleased God to set me apart from my mother's womb, he called me by his grace. What was I getting to? Uh, Galatians 1.15, that God's grace story starts at the time you're born. And, and, and listen to me, that little boy that was up here on Sunday, you guys didn't see it. In the second service, uh, we, we presented Byron's little girl, uh, Gia, they, they named her Gia, J-I-A, and it's the three initials for Jesus is alive. They're so, they're, so, they're so blown away by Jesus that they named their daughter Jesus is alive because she wouldn't have ever been born 
They weren't planning to have a family. They didn't think it would, but the grace of God is huge in their life. So their little brother is like two years old, one and a half, he's even younger, and he's up here calling people out of the crowd. Hey, you, come up here. Hey, you, come up. And he's calling his family because he wants them to be part of the baby presentation. He's a year and a half. At a year and a half, we weren't even we weren't doing nothing that made sense. And here the guy is, hey, you, get over here. And I was like, wow. That was a witness of, of, of the power and, in the, and, and let's read this, 2 Timothy 2.1, where that's, that's what any father would want of his son. Son, forget about Ivy League, forget about your studies, forget. Make sure that you're getting God's grace. You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Jesus Christ. Don't fall away from that, because that makes you a champion. That makes you prosperous. That allows you to find the woman that you're going to marry is going to be a, a blessing to your life. That allows you to have the children you're going to have and be able to raise them up. Hey, your kid is, you're, you're a graduate from Ivy League school and you don't even know how to tell your son how to be a gentleman, how to, how to be a, you know. So here, the, the counsel is you, my son, be strong. Fill up big time in this stuff that God is pouring out from the heavens that is in Jesus Christ. Don't let nobody take the grace of God that, that abounds in your life. And so, in other words, be clothed with humility. Walk in a manner that is different than other men. Romans 12, 3, he says, if you're gonna walk in this grace, don't be proud and arrogant to think yourself above other people. For I say, though, through the grace given to me, this is Paul, since God has poured out his grace, I'm going to say something to everyone who's among you. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to, but think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. God is giving you guys different levels, different measures of what his goodness is. Don't think you're above anybody else. Um, there's there multi-level, multifold grace of God. Um, and then he does what we just did a little while ago, verse 4. He says, as in a body, there are many members, and not all the members do the same function. Don't, don't be confused. Don't, don't be arrogant about the fact that you have a strength because your brother has a strength too. And, you sh and that strength is the grace of God in him. And don't insult the grace of God in your brother because you're going to need that strength just like he needs your strength. And so th that's what Paul is saying. Every one of us has a grace factor that we all need because it's going to be a blessing. Like the guys that are standing, the ushers, they have the grace to stand all service. They have a grace. I have one guy here who says, Pastor, if you put me to stand, I'm leaving the church. I have no grace for that. And so they won't serve at that capacity. They'll serve at another capacity. Verse 5, he says, So though there are many... So we, being many, are one body in Christ, and individually we're members, we're attached one to the other. Verse 6, having grace that differs, that word gifting and grace is the same thing as the, what God has given. Since it's different according to the grace that is given to us, let us use it properly. If one is to hear from God prophetically, let him prophesy in proportion to his faith. Some people open their mouth and it's God speaking. And they, you see it all their lives. Every time they open their mouth, it's God. 
I, I got a phone call yesterday from one of these guys, and he says, I saw this, and this is going to happen. And he begins to tell me about something that's about to take place, and I don't see it, but he saw it. And I said, let's pray, and let's give thanks to God that you saw it. And I'm excited because you saw it, and let's pray that God does it. And so that's the grace of God in his life. I encourage that gift. If it's to prophesy, let you prophesy in proportion to what God shows you, verse, uh, to your faith. Verse 7, if it's to serve, and you'll see some people, listen, you, you want to hurt some people, tell them they can't serve. And they just can't, they can't put up with it. If it's to serve, let it be done. Let's use it in our serving. If it's ministry, uh, you can tell that, that, that in my life, no, we were pastoring for seven years without a salary, without money. With, that wasn't the issue. If you take away all my salary, I'm going to still preach the gospel because there's an outpouring of a message that in God's grace that I need to get out there. Anybody who's around me all day long, even for a couple of minutes, is going to hear about Jesus Christ. And it's not something that bothers me. It doesn't frustrate me. It doesn't offend me. And, 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 and all day long, people are, are making jokes about it. They're laughing. They're, they're belittling it. It doesn't matter. It's, it's just a grace of God in my life to continue to preach. Um, he who teaches in teaching. A person that is gifted in teaching other people, you can't stop them either. All day long, they're saying, this is how you peel a banana. This is how you uh, boil an egg. This is how you drive a car. This is how you, you, you buy cheap gas. And, and they're always teaching. It's a teaching grace. And they do it in such a way. A teaching grace is not that you're teaching. It's that other people are learning. That's, that's, the, that's the trick. If other people are not learning, you're just stuck on, on, on some high and lofty thoughts there. But if people are learning, then you're a teacher. And people are doing things better and more expertly. Uh, verse 8, he continues to talk about these gifts of grace. If it's exhorting in exhortation. There's some people that, my dad has a strong gift of exhortation. He's always calling your attention. He's always, hey, be careful with this, be careful with that. Don't trip here, don't go here. And, and it's a blessing to have people that care enough that they're speaking into your life about things that are in your best interest. They're for your own good. They're not for anybody else's good. Uh, parents have a great gifting of exhortation. Um, some women will say, my, my, my husband thinks that I want to control him. No, she just has a strong gift of exhortation. She's trying to keep us from going through problems. And then look at this next one, which is pretty powerful. It says, he who has the grace to give. Well, some, somebody that's always pouring out. It doesn't matter if they don't have anything, they're giving it. It doesn't matter if, if, if it's not the season, they're giving. If they're in depression, they're giving. And nobody else is giving, they're giving. And that's a grace. Uh, a lot of people hate to give. And, and they're bitter about it. And I can't believe it. And they remember everybody they gave. I gave that guy five bucks ten years ago, and, and he didn't appreciate it. It's like, come on, cheapo. Get off that. Ask God for grace of giving where you give and give, and you fall short. And you say, you know something, I should have given more. That is the grace, and it says there, he who gives with liberality, with abundance, according to what? Not his ability, according to the grace of God. The Macedonians, they were poor, yet they gave richly. And so Paul was blown away, and he was witnessing uh, the capacity uh, of a person's ability to give. He who leads with diligence, 
Don't leave it off for tomorrow. If you're a leader, stand up and lead. And lead by example. And lead by uh, the presence of, of being able to take people from where they're at to where they should be. That's a leader. He who shows mercy, it doesn't matter uh, what some people do. There's, there's people that have the grace of mercy and they're like, oh, but he's, he didn't mean that. And, and just give him another try. And, and, and our sister Clarita has a great grace of mercy on her life. She's always saying, Pastor, please don't, don't be so hard. You know, give him another chance. He didn't mean to be with five wives. He just didn't know which was his address. He didn't know what his house, where he lived, his neighborhood. Come on. She's not that extreme, but sometimes I feel she is. Uh, but it's a grace. It's a grace of mercy. And, and we need that because, you know, some of us have no mercy at all. And, and one of the things I've seen in God's eyes, and, and this is 30 years long, 30 years in the making, I have a that's it button. Okay, that's it. That's it, that's it, that's it. And God's grace is far more in his mercy than, than I could ever think to be. Um, but some people have and show, he who shows mercy, let him do so with cheerfulness. Verse nine. Let these expression be without pretending. Hang on, hate what is wrong and cling to what is good. Let it be genuine. Let it, let's not try to flatter anybody. Well, I have the grace of forgiveness, you jerk. That's not the grace of forgiveness. Let it not be with hypocrisy. Let it be true. Let it be evident. The more we press into it, let it be the reality. Ephesians 4, 7, uh, the Bible says that one of these graces is the leadership in the church. He says, but to each one of us, this is a whole different ballgame here, is given, uh, to each one of us, grace was given according to what God decided would be the measure of Christ's gift, verse eight. That's why he says, therefore he, when he ascended on high, he let the captives captive and began to pour out grace on men. He began to give men gifts. He began to pour out upon the earth men who would have the substance, verse nine, now this, he ascended. Now this, he ascended. What does it mean? But that he also first descended to the lower parts of the earth. The Bible says he went down to hell and said to the devil, give me the keys back. And he made a public spectacle of him saying, psh, psh, there's a new sheriff in town. I'm the boss. Now I have the keys. Verse 10. And so he who descended is also he who ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all things. He's gonna get everything right. He, everything that's out of place, he's gonna put in place. And to do that, verse 11, he himself in his grace gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, pastors, and teachers. We call this the five-fold ministry gifts that are the leaders filled with grace in every capacity to be able to, verse 12, um, to equip the, those who serve in the leadership position uh, in the local church 
are equipping the saints so that they could do the work of ministry so that the body of Christ is built up, so that we build up, uh, verse 13, till we all come to the unity of the faith, to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure and the stature of the fullness. That means the whole expression of what God wants to build so the earth sees it through the ministry gifts of the fivefold uh, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastors, and teachers. That's why there's a gifting in our lives to do this work. Galatians 2.21, Paul says, I do not set aside the grace of God. I'm not going to sit there and act like I could do what God wants me to do without his grace. If, if you're not giving through the grace of God, you're going to get bitter, resentful, and you're going to stop. It's not going to be real. It's not going to flow from God's goodness. So he says, I'm not going to live without the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through what I could do in my own strength, then what Christ did on the cross is in vain. If, if, if I am called to do this on my own strength, we're out of gas at the, at the inception. You could pretend, but it's not going to come true. So he, the next verse, he concludes who, he, he, he really insults these people. In Galatians 3 verse 1, he says, who, you foolish Galatians, you stupid Cubans, that's what it would sound like in our day. You foolish Galatians. You, 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 you ignorant, you know, Puerto Ricans. Whatever the case may be. This is Paul. He says, don't you get it? What I'm trying to tell you. Who has cursed you con brujería? Who has put a hex on you? Who has put witchcraft in your thoughts? So that you should not obey the truth. And what's going on? before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. We told you that this was not you doing it. This is Christ on the cross, opened the heaven's gates to pour down grace, and you guys are acting, verse 2, that it's you, you doing it. This only I want to know. Did you receive the Spirit by something you did or by the hearing of the faith? Or was it something when you heard the gospel? Verse 3. Are you so foolish that you have begun through the grace and the spirit, you're now being perfected in your own strength? You, it was a gift of God, and now you're trying to earn it. It's, it's God's goodness, and now you're trying to work it out on your own strength. He says that's not the way. Verse 4, if you started in the spirit, have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was vain? Verse 5, Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles amongst you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Is this God in our midst or is it you? Verse 6. Just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted for him to righteousness. As soon as you know what God is doing and you're saying, I'm going to be a part of this. I'm not going to miss out. I'm not going to live without the grace of God in my life. I'm going to let the grace of God shower me so that I could be uh, an expression of what he wants me to do. And so he gets to this place in Galatians 2.9. He says, when I got saved, I came to the men of God in my life. And they, when James, Peter, and John seemed to be the leaders, 
they seem, who seemed to be the columns, they were the main people, perceived the grace that had been given to me. They gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. When they saw that God's plan for my life was to reach the non-Jewish, they, they, they were able to recognize it, that the people were getting saved outside of being Jewish. He took the gospel of grace to the Gentiles. And, and it's funny because in the previous verse, he says, just like Paul, Peter, who's a wreck, who's not a good Jewish boy, who's a mess living out there in the Sea of Galilee away from Jerusalem, when James, uh, let's go to verse 8. He says, for he who worked effectively in Peter for the leadership to the circumcised, the Jewish, also effectively worked in me so that I could go to the non-Jewish. So Paul is saying, I was trained up in the Jewish law. I knew everything. I could do this. I'm, I don't need you, God. I could do all the, I could get Jewish people to be right before God. He says, no, the grace of God is for you to go to the non-Jewish to the people who don't circumcise, to the people who don't keep the Sabbath, to the people who don't know the law, the grace of God on Paul was to go reach the Gentiles. And then he says, the one who worked in Peter, he's almost like saying, they got my spot. Because the grace of God in him, who's a mess, Peter was a mess. He didn't know any of the law. He wasn't trained. He wasn't an expert. And the grace of God in him was to go to the Jewish people to express the reality of God. So I want the grace of God to flow in you and to be strong in you so that this world might see an instrument of God's grace. Let's stand tonight. And you also desire it. Amen? Whatever the gifting of, don't be embarrassed that you are that gift to us. You, you know, the devil makes fun. What do you think you are, the gift of God? You say, yes, I am. I'm the grace of God for your life in this area. I could be a blessing to you. And so that, that is awesome. And so we see tonight that you don't despise anybody. We can't because we don't know the grace of God that's going to flow through his life. And the devil, is he's an expert at, at Xing out. If he could discourage, if he could uh, withdraw, if he gets somebody to get upset. Uh, there was once a young girl that walked in our church uh, many years ago, like 15 years ago, we were about three, we had been around for three years, and she had some really funny-looking shoelaces. She's like 14, 15 years old. And when she came to youth group that night, three girls began to laugh at her. And, and you know, you, you almost can't help it because the three girls are like, they're going through their adolescent, pubescent, peer, and they, they giggle for anything. If you see a little 14, they're like, you're like, what, 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 what? And it's not even about you. It's that they can't stop. It's, 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 it's an age, you know? So they began to laugh, and, and she thought they were laughing at her shoelaces. And she left and never came back. And that, that's a travesty. And the devil wants that to happen so that he can remove people that are super gifted and great. They're going to be amazing vessels of his grace instruments of his grace for this world um, Steve Jobs the, the guy who started Apple he went into a Sunday school class when he was a little boy and he was adopted and he tells a Sunday school teacher how do I know if heaven is real or not and she goes shut up and sit down she didn't even answer his question 
So he lived the rest of his life without knowing God. And so a super gifted and gracious man, but because people didn't know to be careful with the grace of God, um, there's, there's a verse here that, that you can see. It says, let's not offend the spirit of grace. We didn't even know it, it could be it could be offended. But look at this verse real quick. In Hebrews 10.29, he says, before the grace of God, if somebody sinned, they were punished because they didn't do what they were supposed to. How much worse punishment do you suppose will be thought worthy, somebody receives, who tramples, says, I don't care about the Son of God, underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing, and insulted the spirit of grace. Has, has like offended this grace that wants to come in your life and you're like, the punishment is gonna be severe. Because God says, because they can't do it, I'll send my son to die on the cross and I'll do it through my grace. And they still are w walking and working and have attitudes against the grace. So it says, do not insult the spirit of grace. Let that thing come. Let that thing fill your husband, fill your wife, fill your children, fill this church, and that we might go out there and, and, and have the display of the manifold grace of God, that each one allow this thing to flourish. Father, thank you tonight for your goodness. Thank you for your grace to share this word. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for each person here that from their mother's womb they were separated and called by your grace. I pray that their ears would be opened to hear that calling. I pray that their pursuit would be passionate about clothing themselves in humility and submission so that the grace of God comes upon their life. For your word tonight says you resist the proud. And I pray, Father God, that this world would see not the smarts of man's genius but the mercy of God's grace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. God bless you. And uh, Sunday we'll break the fast, so we're doing good. Stay under that grace. God bless you.